0: Welcome to the Who's Your Ag Today morning podcast. It's the 21st of December, 2022. I'm Andy Eubank, and the Hat Podcast is brought to you by First Farmers Bank & Trust, proudly serving local farms, families, and agribusiness for over 135 years. Visit them online at ffbt.com. Coming up in the news with Eric Pfeiffer and C.J. Miller, Indiana State Department of Ag Director, Bruce Kettler is moving on to a new position. Eric Pfeiffer with an update on U.S. GMO corn exports to Mexico. And Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin will check in with the Winter Storm update in the coming days we'll go from rain and mild temperatures to snow and plummeting temperatures and crazy winds ryan with the details the markets yesterday a turnaround analysis with arlen suderman coming up on the hat morning podcast the land of the free is also the home of the hard working what if this is the year you take your farm operation to the next level at first farmers bank and trust we're proud to serve the people who not only work until the sun goes down but until the job is done. With over 135 years of commitment to agriculture, we'll find the solution that's right for your operation today and tomorrow. Visit ffbt.com to learn more. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC.
1: The High Ground Podcast.
2: Everything from energy and fuel. A Memorial Day weekend, going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend. So we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. So we'll talk about... Home heat (laughs) to agriculture.
3: Anytime we can help a farmer grow their business and meet their goals, that's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important.
1: We want you to do it on your own, but we're going to tell you.
3: (laughs) Listen now on all platforms.
4: Why Indiana State Department of Ag Director Bruce Kettler is stepping down and the USDA pressuring Mexico to lift their proposed GMO corn import ban. I'm C.J. Miller and this is Hoosier Ag Today. Bruce Kettler, Director of the Indiana State Department of Agriculture, Announced Tuesday, he's stepping down from his position to become the new CEO and president of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. Kettler's last day as ISDA director is January 6th. Hoosier Ag Today will have more on this story in the next several days. Well, USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack is keeping up the pressure on Mexican officials to back off on plans to ban imports of GMO corn. Eric Pfeiffer has the story. Vilsack and
5: U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai
4: met with a delegation of senior Mexican
5: government officials in Washington, D.C. late last week. Those officials offered amendments to President Lopez Obrador's plans to ban imports of GMO corn starting in 2024. Vilsack and Tai are reviewing their proposal, but Vilsack warned ahead of their meeting.
1: If the proposal doesn't meet what we think is consistent with the science and doesn't meet what we think is consistent with uh, the USMCA that we will absolutely uh, continue to work with the U.S. Trade Representative Office to, to begin the process of triggering whatever needs to be triggered under the USMCA. And that hasn't changed. And it's not going to change.
5: And that's the same message that Vilsack delivered directly to President Obrador when he recently visited Mexico.
1: By going down and, t- and speaking to the president and basically making sure he understood that, I think he respected that and we, we hope two things. One, we hope that we continue to see uh, a corn that's produced in the United States to Mexico, um, and we hope to see consistency and, and uh, adherence to the terms and conditions of the USMCA or uh, a process in which we uh, trigger the dispute resolution aspect of the
5: USMCA. Vilsack would like some help in this endeavor, and he's calling on the U.S. Senate
1: to provide it. It would be certainly nice if the uh, United States Senate would finish its work. In getting a highly qualified candidate who's been nominated to be Undersecretary for Trade, Alexis Taylor, who is currently the commissioner in Oregon and who has worked at USDA in the foreign ag service, an expert in that field, it would be great if they could finally finish their work on nominations.
5: Also still awaiting confirmation is President Biden's pick for USTR chief ag negotiator Doug McCaleb, approved 27-0 to 0 by the Senate Finance Committee back in September. I'm Eric Pfeiffer.
1: Here's your holiday reminder that it's just about time to put out the milk and cookies for my big night. Ho, ho, ho! That's
0: right. Just take a picture of the milk and cookies that you leave out for Santa and post it to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the hashtag Santa milk. Use all your social media and be sure you tag at I Dairy along with hashtag Santa let's see those pics with hashtag Santa
1: drinks milk. Ho, ho, ho.
4: Well, if you're an Indiana farmer, you may already have spring planting on your mind. And that's why Case IH is promoting their field cultivator with their newest technology.
2: At Case IH, we want to make every pass through that field compliment that planter.
4: And that's CJ Parker with Case IH, which has developed their Tiger Mate 255 field cultivator with Advanced Farming Systems Soil Command. It's the first technology that allows producers to create a more even seed bed for
2: planting. That technology kind of gives that agronomic information in the cab of the operator on how good of a seed bed he is making as that field cultivator is moving through the soil. So maybe that operator is going too fast and um, the way we measure how far that back of that shank is yielding on that field cultivator, it'll say hey, maybe I better slow down a little bit because I'm not creating a good seed bed for that planter. Parker says that
4: technology from Case IH is all about setting you up for better success and higher yields come harvest time.
2: We've done agronomic studies where we know that a poor seedbed is going to significantly reduce yield as, as we look at emergence and follow that plant throughout the growing season. So it's it's really important to have, make sure every pass complements that planter as best as possible.
4: Parker adds that Case IH continues to put in the research and development to grow their line of
2: equipment. We're constantly looking at uh, adding new technology, new innovations to the line of all of Case IH equipment and uh, I've been really talking to them customers on the field that are using it to make sure it, uh, it works in their operation and that it, that it works from the east coast to the west coast and from north to south because it, it really needs to work for everyone.
4: For more information about the Case IH Tigermate 255 Field Cultivator with seedbed sensing technology visit caseih.com. I'm CJ Miller. Who's your ag today? Timely, relevant, credible.
1: Your operating loan for your farm needs to cover all that could be. That's why Farm Credit Mid-America offers flexible financing options to take care of the day-to-day so you can free up capital to maximize opportunities for your farm. Use our online banking or mobile app to conveniently check funds so you always know how much cash you have on hand and can plan for what's ahead. To find an operating loan that works for you, visit e-farmcredit.com. Subject to credit approval, additional terms and conditions may apply. Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity lender.
6: I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Act today's Indiana Farm Forecast. Our winter storm is still on the way. Easy peasy. It's coming towards us. It's going to bring rain to start. Then rain goes to snow. The snow is fierce overnight Thursday night through Friday midday. Then we see lesser snows, but snow continuing through the balance of Friday and into Saturday. The big story is going to be wind Wind is going to be averaging 20 to 40 miles an hour, gusts to 55. That means blowing and drifting, no matter how much snow you see. And right now, we are mostly unchanged in our forecast outlook for snow totals. That means southern Indiana, two, three, four inches—really not a big deal. This is from I-70 north. That's where we see the heavier snows coming together. This system is us trending just a little bit farther to the east, which would put us into the heavier snow. I think over the northern half of the state. 7 to 12, maybe 14 inches is what we will see closer to Lake Michigan where lake effect can really kick in. 20 inches plus aren't out of the question. Here's the thing though this is going to start as rain. Let's all go all the way back to the beginning. Today, Looks pretty good. Temperatures, not bad for this time of year. Mid-30s is what we have. I think we see mid-30s again tomorrow as the clouds are here and we have a little bit of rain and wet snowflake activity trying to work through. We really see the changeover overnight Thursday night, and the moisture can be fierce in that changeover. I think it's mostly snow. If it holds on to be rain longer, that will definitely affect your snow totals, but I think we have a fairly quick changeover to snow. I am not concerned about freezing rain at this point. And then the snow continues through the balance of Friday and through Saturday, slowly tapering off, but the winds are ramping up with those 20 to 40 mile an hour winds, 55 mile an hour gusts. We will see significant blowing and drifting. Roads will be nasty. Travel conditions I do not expect to be good at all as we move through Friday and Saturday. The winds actually stay up through Sunday. We may not be back below 10 mile an hour winds until early early Monday morning. So yeah, that's the big issue here. Wind To creating poor visibilities, even blizzard conditions at times. So be aware of that. Even if we end up with lower-end range snow totals, the blowing and drifting will be significant. So when it's done, what happens? Well, Monday, we are mostly cloudy. We're cold. That's the thing. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, brutal cold. Single-digit highs, so wind chills are going to be nasty. But we see cold air holding on Monday. A clipper system coming through Monday afternoon into early Tuesday. Could see another 1 to 3 inches out of that clipper. Chilly for Tuesday into early Wednesday and then temperatures moderate quickly. We will be warm above normal as we finish out the week next week and go into the new year. That's going to be a false sense of security, I think, though, as we see another round of cold air coming probably right around the middle or even around day 10 or the 10th of January even as we move forward in January, definitely seeing a return to brutal cold Arctic air. So get ready. It's going to be a roller coaster ride, and this storm is still on the way for the end of this week. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin.
0: A higher move on a turnaround Tuesday. This is Who's Your Ag Today and the Tuesday Farm Market Review. I'm Andy Eubank. Corn up. Soybean futures led the way and we have numbers coming up. Market analysis is first. This update is brought to you by Seed Genetics Direct. The year is ending, but savings aren't. Save 9% until January 10 and bundle seed and herbicide to save more. Learn more at seedgeneticsdirect.com. Right at the end of trade, I checked in for market analysis with Arlen Suderman. We bring him in now, Arlen with StoneX. Arlen, a turnaround Tuesday, especially when you look at the soybean market, but early on, the dollar index was way down, and it appeared that was helping money flow into quite a few different markets.
3: It was a factor. There was a, a number of factors. None of them are really overwhelming. It was just kind of like today the market wanted to go higher, and they looked for an excuse. And, and the weaker dollar certainly did help. Uh, the cold coming across the plains in the Midwest was a factor. On uh, the soybeans, a little bit of lingering Chinese business before they go ahead and make the switch entirely to Brazilian supplies provide support when you look at soybeans also you have to look at the meal oil share and we had a big jump in oil prices today as uh, funds managers who had liquidated virtually all their positions uh, came kind of back into buying the oil end of the of the share today. And both oil and meal were able to trade higher today, but with greater strength in the oil overall, um, kind of giving a boost to beans. So there's a number of factors, a number of technical factors, uh, but corn and wheat testing the top side of a downtrending channel that's held prices the last couple of months. Soybeans testing uh, overhead resistance at around the 1490 area and uh, none of them really making any convincing moves in their areas of resistance so we'll have to see if we can maintain the same strength tomorrow where the funds take things the other way
0: to keep things in a bit of a perspective as far as the prices that we're at with corn and soybeans in particular Would you have guessed at the beginning of the year that the the end-of-the-year prices would be around these levels?
3: I probably would have thought that this is pretty reasonable considering the fundamentals. Of course, that was before the Black Sea War in Ukraine. And once that war started, I would have expected higher values for corn and wheat. Um, But the market has pretty much now erased that uh, war premium. And we're pretty much back to where I would have anticipated just on what we were seeing with global fundamentals. It's been quite a ride over 2022 with the first half of the year focused on inflation from a money flow standpoint. And then about the middle of June, the market traded, started trading recession fears. And so the fund managers started interpreting the same supply and demand fundamentals through a totally different colored lens, uh, made it really tough to sustain rallies in that type of environment. And and the war premium that we saw eroded away, even though the war continues to linger on.
0: You referenced the cold here in the U.S., in the Midwest, and what about an update on South American weather? It did turn a bit more favorable, I believe, earlier in the week, a little wetter.
3: Well, you know, there's been a lot of analysts out there trying to justify moves in the markets about whether it rains in Argentina or doesn't rain in Argentina. And the bottom line is it's very dry in Argentina and parts of southern Brazil, but there still are rains, and uh, those rains periodically come, and that's no surprise. Um, and uh, But yet, it's well below normal and the crops are still struggling and they've had some tremendous heat. As we go over the next week, we should see much cooler weather across both Argentina and Brazil. We're still going to have moisture stress. Uh, Brazil's crops are still looking pretty good overall Argentina's are not the question is how low will those production totals come in Argentina but it's still awfully early in the process Uh, you mentioned North American weather with the cold coming in it's interesting to note that Commodity Weather Group now says that 25% of the US winter wheat belt will be at risk of varying degrees of winter kill here this week and that's 40% of the hard red winter wheat and 10% of the soft red winter wheat. So that's something we'll have to monitor as well.
0: That is Arlen Suderman, market analysis. Arlen with StoneX. He is the chief commodity economist at StoneX.com. Now, the settlements from Tuesday trade March corn 652 up four and three quarters may contract up four cents 652 three cents higher on July 17 and three quarters up January beans leading the way higher in the grains and oil seeds January 1478 and a half March goes to 1479 and three quarters up 16 and a quarter and March wheat 750 and a half a two cent gain the meats down February live cattle one fifty five fifty seven 57 down $4. 47. Febelline Hogs, 84.25 down 145. I'm Andy Eubank with the Tuesday Market Review. This is Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's most listened to Farm Radio Network.